Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I'm Jordan Hall, and as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, Taryn, the Flyers are coming off to crushing, demoralizing losses for the reason that they were right there. They were right there with two divisional teams, two rivals. They had third-period leads in two games, Tuesday against the Penguins in Pittsburgh, a team that's rolling. And last night, Thursday, against the Capitals at home, they lose both those leads, and they pick up two more losses, four straight now for the Flyers. You almost feel for them. You almost feel for them because uh, the effort's there. They're, they don't have a lot of guys, but you know different guys are starting to step up, and you're seeing almost complete game efforts until it's closing time, and they just don't have the confidence to close. Uh, Terrence, closing time. Sorry. <laughs> yes. The Flyers are not, they are not doing well in closing time. It's the one thing that's kind of really eluding them uh, right now, which is a shame because, I mean, a win over the Penguins in Pittsburgh would have been a really nice feather in their cap. A win at home to start that eight-game homestand against the Capitals, against Alex Ovechkin and company, also would have been a nice little thing for this team. But uh, both of those things elude them. And, Taryn, do you almost feel for this team uh, as, as they pick up these losses? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I felt for the team for a while. I felt like their more recent, what, 13-game losing streak, I felt like there were a lot of games in there where they played well. They played well enough to win until one moment or something. But that's the problem is good teams don't let those moments um, get away from them. And I think if the Flyers had their full roster, they'd be a better team who would be capable of not letting those moments snowball into losses. Um, But it is, it's a shame because I think, you know, if you want to try to glean a positive from the Penguins game, you look at the Flyers top six played a really competent game against the top team in the division. Um, and then the bottom six kind of just couldn't hold their own, if we're being honest, against the Pens. Um, but there were things to like in that game until, you know, the final – really until Ratcliffe takes that that penalty in the third period, they score on that power play, and then all the momentum shifts. But, the, again, that's moments snowballing into a loss. Uh, and same thing with the Capitals game. Save the last, like, three and a half minutes of the game, I felt like that's when Washington really – uh, put it into another gear. Um, the Flyers played a really solid game. Even their bottom six played played solid enough through that game. But again, it's one of those things where you'll hear it all the time, and it's a cliche, but it's true. You have to play a full 60 minutes or else you're not going to win these games. And the Capitals have enough talent, even though it wasn't really like their big-name guys specifically. Um the Capitals have enough talent and I think they have enough confidence of what they're capable of as a team 
um, in a certain way, at least compared to the Flyers, in that they look at that score as a challenge, not as a death sentence. And sometimes the Flyers are looking, it feels like they're looking down the barrel of a gun when they are in the last five minutes or something of a game, even when they're up a couple of goals. But, you know, that's that. I don't know how you try to instill confidence in a team that's half piecemealed of players who are trying to figure out their game at the NHL level. Like that's the tough part. That's where I really feel for Mike Yo, and I feel for the for the young players as well as the veterans because I, I know that like Ivan Provorov with that with that bad bad uh, when Haglin took it off his essentially took it off his stick and then it was a halfway goal I think um, against the Capitals. To me, that moment for Provorov is kind of a microcosm of his season where I think he was asked to do a lot against the Penguins. He's asked to do a lot night in and night out. And, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Like, he's wearing the crown of ice time and defensive responsibility. And I think that it, it does uh, it does get to – in moments we see it get to him. Um, but that, that kind of shaky confidence – it's kind of reverberated up and down the lineup at times. And I think that's what we're seeing at the end of games is just the team that believes that they can win it more so than the other one is the team that seems to win it. Uh, and the Flyers just aren't the team that seems like they believe. I will say this, though. Uh, if if there's any sign of like leadership specifically for those AHL players that are up here now, um, I love – and I, I, I hate to almost bring it up as a consolation prize because I think it takes away from both the narrative of where the Flyers are at and where this player is at. But I loved Jerry Mayhew's post-game press conference last night. I loved the way he played, two goals, plays hard, night in, night out, big black eye, great attitude. But I loved his post-game press conference because when he was asked basically about why haven't you stuck, he basically was, he said opportunity. He said, I just haven't really been, had much chance in many places and obviously now he's gotten a chance through the flyers misfortune but he's gotten a chance and you want to talk about a guy who's playing like i'm capable i want to show you i'm capable i'm going to do everything i can to try to help this team win i'm not even playing just for myself as an individual i want to show you that i'm capable of trying to help a team win that's the kind of attitude it feels like these younger players have to have like a Morgan Frost is a perfect example of a guy where I think sometimes he's he's too close to the to the painting to really see the full picture where he's he's so in the minutia of trying to get his game right to prove that he belongs that when he just plays his game he plays great. Jerry Mayhew feels like he belongs or at least he seems his body language the way he carries himself and now the way he's playing it's like I've belonged here for a long time you guys just didn't know it. And you want to see that kind of moxie, I think, from more of these young guys because there's no getting around it. That's who we're going to probably see for the next few months. So, you know, you might as well get with it and try to get some wins. Uh, but I, that was – you want to talk about positives for me. I I don't like to overanalyze body language and stuff like that. I think – I know we talk about it, but I think some of it's misleading in a press conference. I thought the, the way Jerry Mayhew talked about himself and his opportunities – I thought that was such a good sign of where that player's mind is at, whereas 
where his mind frame is at. And so um, I, I hope that he continues to have that approach as these games continue to go on because, I mean, Mike Yo put him on the top line last night, like because of the way he played that that can happen for, you know, a Morgan Frost and down the lineup. So I guess there's that positive. I'm trying to glean, glean some silver linings here. Yeah. If you're looking for in a season that's absolutely marred by negatives, if you're looking for some feel good storylines, Jeremy Mayhew is one of them. You think of Oscar Lindblom who has certainly looked like the Oscar Lindblom of old in many ways. He looks like himself again um, which is awesome to see for him and for so many others. And then Jerry Mayhew, Terry, you mentioned, he's 29 years old. His entire career has been playing for a job, like game in and game out at the AHL level, trying to prove he can play at the NHL. And here he is. He gets an opportunity to really show himself, and he's shown himself pretty well. Uh, good for him. And uh, you hope that maybe – like this leads to more, whether it's here in the Flyers organization or somewhere else. Good for that young man. Joe, with these losses, uh, a 4-2 third period lead in Pittsburgh blown, a 3-2 third period lead last night in Philly with about three minutes, 51 seconds left. That's blown. Um, where do you think this team's frustration level is uh, at this point in the season? 15, 25, and 9. And uh, just tough losses to really stomach. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not even sure that I would go with frustration as the first thing. The first thing that stands out to me is a little bit of what Taryn said. The past two games in particular, I got the sense at the end of these games, there's an aura on, ab about this team that they don't believe they can win the game. And then they just collapse like a house of cards. I mean, it. Al Morgani predictions aside, with the Pittsburgh game, the uh, it it's it was just you know they take a lead and they just break down in every possible way you could break down, and really, um, you guys were talking about Jerry Mayhew. The the, the Jerry Mayhew thing, I think, is a microcosm of what the season has become. The guy who scores two goals in the game is answering questions after the game about why he hasn't been able to stick in the NHL because he didn't expect to be here. He didn't expect to be playing power play. He didn't expect to be playing in the NA in NHL games, let alone playing on a second power play unit like he was last night. Um, and it's just crazy what this has become. And, um, you know, I think when you put all those things together, this team has to be beyond the point of frustrated. I mean, frustrated is something that happens when you go through your first 10-game losing streak. But they've had two of those, and now they're on a four-game losing streak, and half their lineup is out or more than half of their lineup is out. And so I think it's beyond frustration. It's 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 At this point, it has to be lack of belief that they can win a game. So it's almost like you get up, you know, last night they get up in the third period or Tuesday they're up two goals later in that game. And it's almost like they're, um, why are we here? We shouldn't be here. And then it collapses. And, um, you know, it, it is, you do feel for them because they don't have outside of the guys who are healthy, like Drew and, um, you know, I, 
I, I guess we'll call Sanheim a, a veteran at this point, but because he's has NHL experience, but by and large, this team doesn't have a huge core of guys with experience and and sort of veteran savvy to lean on when you have leads late in games against teams that are better than you. And that's what we've seen in the last two games. You know, um, I think Taryn mentioned the Ratcliffe penalty. Um, and, you know, there were penalties late in the game against Pittsburgh. And it's they're, it's symptomatic of teams a team that doesn't have a ton of experience and doesn't have the belief that they should or will win these games despite having leads late in the game. You really, it was the, the these last two games. You're looking at two teams with Stanley Cup pedigree and a team with a patchwork lineup that's just trying to survive a game when they have a lead. And two teams of Cup pedigree turned it on and were really good in desperation time. And the Flyers folded. Uh, unfortunately, it's just where you know they what are. you know what bothers me though is that like you look at the second period of both of those games, right? Those are probably the two best. I mean, the Flyers have been bad in second periods throughout this season. Those are probably two of their strongest second periods, both against Washington and against Pittsburgh. It's not like, like it's not even like they were just hanging with these teams and like, Oh great. We're here. Like we're so happy to be here. Like there were legitimately good looking periods of these games. Um, And I would argue in the Washington game, there was the first period I personally thought kind of a dud of a period on both sides. There wasn't like a ton of action to it. Second period, tons of action. And I thought the Flyers played a legitimately pretty good period. And the third period, I didn't think until the last like three and a half minutes, the Flyers seemed like they were getting outplayed. But I mean, to make another like relationship reference, because that seems to be the theme of what I'm doing on the show recently. It's like when you're desperately trying to hold on to a relationship that like you don't, going through a rough patch and you really don't want to break up. And so you like grip even tighter and that messes it up. Like that's what they're doing at the end of games. They are desperately holding on to the cracks of the relationship within that game. And it just crumbles beneath them. And it's a shame. It's, it's such a shame because it's not like, it's not like they lucked their way into the beginning parts of those games. They worked their way into the beginning parts of those games. I would argue in Pittsburgh, the top six worked their way into the beginning parts of those games. The bottom six, I thought, did look outmatched. But it, I just the way they uh, the way I mean, Ovi neutralized himself quite a bit last night. But it just even Sydney the night before. I know he scored a goal. It wasn't like they were just getting blown out of the water by teams that were both that are both in playoff spots right now. They worked their way into games, and then they just gripped those sticks too tight, and it's like one mistake leads to two goals in both games, in both games. It's one mistake, whether it's the Ratcliffe penalty and they go in the PK and the Flyers PK is bad. And then the momentum swings and then they score again or last night with the turnover. And then they score again right after that. It's one mistake and it comes unraveled. And it's like, you have to be able to, and I know they know this and it's just, it's quite frankly, like you said, it is a patchwork that isn't sewn together as as efficiently as it normally would, that's trying to figure out how to cover it all up. 
But it's just, it, it is, it's a shame. I think it's like the game, the loss against Boston and the loss against the Rangers and the second loss against the Islanders on that 13 game losing streak. Like there were games where you're sitting there and you're going, this team, I'd love to see this team healthy because even with half, half a lineup with essentially half a lineup, they are hanging in these games, but they just don't have enough to finish. They don't have enough to close the door. And I do wonder does a healthy team, this team healthy, not that it matters, but it might for next season, does this team healthy close the door in those games? Because that's a huge swing in the season, a massive swing in the season. Um, but it's a shame because that, that's not what the narrative is. And I, for, for me personally, it's like, how do if you're a young guy and your confidence is already waning and, and this is how these games are playing out, how do you try to find some source of confidence? Um, and it's got to be tough, man. It's got to be tough. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Yeah, I would say, Jordan, just to, to follow up on that and to make another analogy, I, you got the sense at the end of the last two games that it's like a 15 seed leading a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, and they're dictating play in the middle of the game. And then when it gets to the point where it's like, wait a minute, we're only a few minutes away from winning this game, you know, it doesn't always happen, but a lot of times the number two seed becomes the number two seed and they kind of take over the game. And that is what seems to be what happened the last two, um, the last two games. And you kind of get to the end of the game and you're like, wait a minute, where did that go wrong? And as Taryn mentioned, you go back to one minute, but that one bad minute turns into three goals and the game's over. And, you know, it happens before you can blink your eyes. And that's what I mean. Like when you have to, to follow up on the NCAA tournament, like when you have a, a 15 seed that's playing a number two seed, the number two seed generally has guys who have been through the, uh, the big time conference games and the games that, you know, are on national TV and crunch time. And that's every game for them. And, that's what it felt like. It's the, the Flyers don't have, again, outside of Giroux and a couple other guys, they don't have this huge core of veteran guys who are healthy and available for these games for them to lean on late in games when they have leads. They just don't. I wanted to work a Rutgers-Illinois reference in here because for those of you who don't follow college basketball, Rutgers upset number 12-ranked Illinois, and I was there watching it. But the thing is, is that Rutgers won that game, so I can't work a reference in there. They've won five straight games against ranked teams, four. right? Four. four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd love a fifth, but they've won four consecutive against ranked opponents that were supposed to pummel them, including when Purdue was ranked number one in the country. But, like, I mean, to that point, honestly, 
like Illinois, I think I, well, by the end of the game, Illinois had shot 38% from the floor, but in the first half, I think they were like in the twenties and you sit there and you go into the second half, like, and Rutgers was leading by 23, I want to say at half. And you go, well, there's no way Illinois stays that cold in the second half. And they didn't, they started hitting shots. The difference was a, to your point, Joe, Rutgers has a, a ton of upperclassmen who have played in NCAA tournaments. They've upset ranked teams in years past. And whenever the Illini would go on a run, it was like Geo Baker would be like, all right, I'm going to throw an alley-oop and I'm going to have Ron Harper Jr. dunk it and let's get the crowd back into this. And they respond to the run and that's how it goes. I do think a healthy Flyers team has pieces to respond I don't think a team of freshmen against a number 12 ranked Illinois team that goes from shooting 20% from the floor to hitting a bunch of threes would have known how to respond in that situation. And it's, it is, it's tough to watch because you, you hate to say it feels like whatever first segment of the game they played well is wasted, but you do kind of feel for, especially for, you know, the Jerry Mayhews of the world who have two goals in that game and worked his tail off. Like, Ooh, that goes wasted. Even Martin Jones, Martin Jones made some big stops, point blank, Backstrom, Ovi at the end of the game. And you you forget about it because the one deflects off Hathaway's pants, you know, and the way it looked initially, you go, oh, you want Martin Jones to have that. And then you look at the deflection, you're like, maybe it's not as easy of a save as we thought it was. But that's how it's been for both Flyers goaltenders all year as well. And we've talked about that at length. But sorry, Jordan. Go ahead. Sorry, bud. How are the Bronx? (laughs) Go Bronx. Go Bronx. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, the inevitable has happened. It, we knew if the Flyers season did not go as planned. We knew if the Flyers had a down year, which they are. Claude Drew trade talk was going to happen, and it's now one of the biggest discussions really throughout the league and media members that cover the NHL. He is probably the hottest commodity on the trade market going up to this March 21 deadline. So Claude Drew spoke this week on Wednesday. Our very own Taryn Hatcher had a one-on-one with Drew. Let's get into that interview, and then we'll talk a little bit about afterwards. Enjoy, Flyers fans. What has been the toughest part of this season for you? Uh, I'd say probably coming into the season. Uh, Chuck made some great moves in the summer, and uh, you know we, we had a good start to the season. Everything was going great, and then couple injuries and uh, now I don't we have about 10 11 guys out so it's uh, it's been tough like that just because we uh, not able to see what we could have done so it's a lot of frustration uh, how it happened and then what has this experience been like for you especially over the past I would say like four or five six weeks where constant talk about trade rumors and what a coveted piece you are in the market and ultimately the decision lies in your hands but you still have a hockey team here that you're trying to win games with yeah it's uh it's definitely pretty stressful uh it's no fun you know you wanna you wanna go out there every night and um wear that logo with pride and try to get some wins and um you know example of last night we're playing a good game and find a way to lose so it's uh it's been pretty much the same story for uh for a month or two so uh the only word i got for you is uh we're all pretty frustrated right now on an individual level how do you navigate all of that swirling around out there when there is also so much frustration that you're trying to kind of keep contained here yeah i mean uh we're 
we're fully committed right now on um, going out there as a team and finding ways to win hockey games. Um, you know, it's I, I think mentally it's probably the hardest, uh, not just for myself, but for my teammates too. Uh, we uh, uh, we have each other's back out there. We're we're trying to find ways to uh, to win some hockey games and uh, you know moving forward. We just got to keep ha having the same mindset. It seems like there's a lot of people that want to talk about your legacy here, especially with the number of milestones you've reached over the past two seasons before you're even gone from this place. What is that like for you? Uh, I mean, yeah, I hit a lot of mile, uh, milestones this year, and uh, it's a great honor to be able to be uh, uh, compared to all the great flyers that have been here. And, um, you know, I've been here for, for 13, 14 years now, so being able to, uh, uh, to get there, it's, uh, it's definitely a, an honor. Uh, I guess it's, if I'm not mistaken, January of 2013 when you became captain of this team. Lots has happened since then. Crazy things in the world have happened since then as well. If you could go back to 2013, Claude Giroux, and give him any advice about what he's about to go through and how to handle it, what would you tell yourself? Ah. Uh, just relax and enjoy it. I think uh, it happened so quick. It's crazy to think that it's been that long. Um, you know, sometimes you're uh, in the heat of moment and uh, you don't you don't get that chance to really enjoy it. Take take a step back, and uh, uh, it's definitely uh, been happening pretty fast. And then finally, the All Star break. I know we were just talking about it off camera. It just seemed like a really fun, enjoyable break in the midst of, as you put it, a frustrating season so far for the team. How much did that do for you, especially to have your wife there, to have your son so heavily evolved in, in All-Star Weekend? Yeah, it was definitely, I've uh, been to a few All-Star games and uh, I think that one's probably the most special one, just to be able to see Gavin and uh, how much he enjoyed it and he was able to be in the locker room and get on the ice for the skills competition and uh, I think it was, uh, it was a little much for him, so he was... Uh, he was smiling the whole time, just looking at mascots, and uh, for some reason he loves goalies too. So he was uh, he was pointing me out at all the goalies. So uh, the whole weekend was just uh, uh, was just great. I would imagine there was a long nap after that that weekend for Gavin. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, on the, on on the flight back. He uh, he had a pretty big nap. Conked out. All right. Thank you, G. I appreciate the time. Thank you. That was Claude Giroux and our very own Taryn Hatcher. Taryn. What were some of your takeaways from Drew's comments and where his frame of mind is uh, as this big decision comes up on his future in Philadelphia and where the Flyers are going? Well, I knew he wasn't going to give me uh, a ton in terms of like, I wasn't, I told him, I mean, peek behind the curtain. We kind of had a conversation before that interview um, and we never do this, but it was like, hey, just a heads up point. Like, I know this as well. If you're going to ask, hey, are you going to waive your no move clause? That question's not going to get answered in this interview. So for me, it was more about I wanted to get to the heart of what he felt like if he's had any moments to like reflect on his legacy or if he ever thinks about it or especially with people talking about it so much, if it makes you if it kind of entices you a little bit to, to think retroactively in that way, because that's a different way to think, like looking at your career at a place from outside of the window I think is different than looking at it from the inside. And 
he didn't really go into it, but I felt like the way that he sort of addressed it, it was kind of like, yeah, it's, it's strange to have people talk about your legacy and it's cool to hit all these milestones here. And I've been really fortunate to do that in the past few years. To be honest with you, that was even more than I thought I was going to get out of him. I thought he was going to be like, no, we have work to do. So I thought that was a little bit telling. I also thought, um, and credit to our one uh, EP, Casey Feeney, came, gave me an idea for a great question about, you know, if you're Drew now talking to Drew in 2013, when you get named captain, what do you tell yourself? And I, I thought that answer was really interesting in terms of like just how crazy it's going to be and enjoy all the moments because they fly by. To me, and I'm sure I'm just reading into it too much, um, but you kind of have to do that with G because he doesn't really give you a lot, um, is I felt like that was interesting in terms of like it's really flown by and like where did the time go? Um, so, you know, I thought that was interesting, but I do think credit to him he's such a professional and I genuinely think when he says like, I'm focused on what we're doing here. I do think he wants to win games here. I don't think he wants his, if this is the last chapter in his Philadelphia book, I don't think he wants it to, to be this way. I don't think he wants an eight game homestand where they don't get any points. I think he like that matters to him. He's a competitor. Um, and I really don't even think he looks at it that way. I think he looks at it like, I still want to win games. I'm still here. I still want to win games. That's what I'm going to try to do. Um, but it is. We asked Jonesy about it, and he he said, you know, it's got to be an interesting time because whether you want to admit it or not, that's exciting. Like, to think about going to a Colorado team that's stacked, that's a legitimate cup contender this year, and you are kind of their missing piece to potentially go all the way. Like, that's an exciting thing. And I wonder if that's like, if he ever lets that excitement propel him a little bit, because mercifully, if I'm me having watched him all these years, seeing the season go down, like, I think if, even if that's the fuel that, that gets him going, like he kind of deserves that he's, he's worked his tail off in this city. I know people have mixed feelings and about certain things, but I, I, I will say this. I've never seen anything but an absolute competitor in him. So, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely it was interesting, and I don't know. I, I I think it'll be this next month will be very interesting, and and the narrative around him will be, I think, super super interesting as well. Sort of hard to believe because. I think in Drew's mind and in the Flyers' mind, when they came to this mutual decision to discuss contract at the end of the year and play out this contract year, no extension, none of that. They all envisioned them at least being in the playoff picture. If this team's anywhere in the playoff picture, you're not talking about trading your captain. Mm -hmm. But they're not. They're one of the worst teams in the league, and that's, you know, here we are. Joe, what do you think about the entire Drew situation? Um, it's, it's interesting because – as he was coming in to do the interview um, with Taryn, he was in a long conversation with Bill Barber, of course, uh, the, the Hall of Famer and uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion. And um, it, it appeared, and I'm not, I, I was not eavesdropping, but it appeared that Drew was doing a lot of listening. And, and it's almost, 
you know, it, it's it, it's like everybody realizes the situation and it, it's kind of a little bit unspoken. And in a way, it's I, I'll use the word sad because um, as Taryn mentioned, I you know, this is not the way a, a player wants to end a, a tenure with a team that's the only team that they've played for in their professional career. And, um, you know, he has always been a, a pretty stoic guy, a, a guy that's not really um, – the emotion we see from Drew is on the ice, um, his competitiveness, and uh, we see those things come out on the ice and not so much off the ice. And um, I would wonder if he feels a feeling of sadness or if it's more of a – anger or competitive type of thing, but it's hard to tell that with what he says, because, you know, he, um, you know, he, he obviously maintains that he's, he wants to win games for this team right now. And he's focused on this and I'm not doubting that he is, but it, human nature tells you that there has to be other things on his mind. And, um, you know, I, I think any team that, it seems to be Colorado's the team, the popular team in the discussion. And of course, Drew can essentially dictate where he goes. Um, any team would benefit adding that to their roster. And Drew would generally, um, you know, play down the lineup as opposed to being a top line player because the, any team that gets him is going to be already established. Uh, in their, you know, cup contention. So they're going to be adding him down the lineup as opposed to putting him in relying on him to be at the top of the lineup. And I do wonder how that sort of transition will go because for a long time, you know, he's been the guy that drives the bus here. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, changing positions from center to wing and back to center and then playing wing but still taking on some of the defensive responsibilities that a center would. And um, it be, I'm interested to see if it takes some pressure off of him maybe to play down the lineup on a team like a Colorado that has guys at the top of the lineup. So, um, but again, there just does seem to be this sort of unspoken, this era is coming to an end and it, it almost has this um, – I don't know. Like I said, I'll, I'll just use the word sadness that over the whole situation. Um, and, you know, it's uh, – look, Taron mentioned people have mixed feelings, but he will go down as an all-time flyer, uh, and he'll be on the short list at the top with uh, plenty of those guys that were two-time Stanley Cup champions – and um, any gr any grouping where your name is in with those guys is definitely not a uh, is nothing to be ashamed of, and it's something to uh, you know to be to prop up your career. That's you know, anytime you're on a list with those guys is uh, something to surely be be proud of. Yeah, absolutely, an all-time great flyer. Without a doubt, really, I think underrated toughness in a city like Philly, just an underrated player and competitor in this city. 
Um, obviously, people always talk about championships, but uh, I think there's a long-standing debate of whether Claude Giroux had enough help uh, in the later years of his career, and that's always going to be, I think, a long-standing debate here. Uh, but, yeah, you, you wonder if the end is near for Claude Giroux, the longest-tenured active athlete right now in this city. He made his NHL debut before the Phillies won the 2008 World Series. Pretty hard to believe. Uh, before we go, speaking of uh, Philly icons, just got a press release through the email. Uh, Flyers will honor Lou Nolan for his 50th year as the PA announcer at uh, well, what is now the Wells Fargo Center. And that'll be a pregame celebration April 9th against Anaheim Ducks. So if you want a reason to come celebrate, Lou Nolan delivers night in and night out. A full 60, muck and grinds, does all the little things right. Show up for Lou on April 9th pregame because the guy deserves the world. I absolutely, I absolutely adore Lou Nolan. And if I can show my age, um, anytime I think of Lou Nolan, I think of him announcing a goal um, by Eric Lindros just from my childhood and going to games and things like that. And um, I, uh, I think it's an, I think an Pico, iconic voice. Pico should be and Pico, yeah, Pico owes Lou Nolan like some kind of percentage of whatever the company are here. He should own part of the company. I don't think about Pico. Like I don't think about Pico ever in my day because why would I? Other than Lou Nolan yelling Pico power play and the whole crowd yells it. He's just a, he's a legend. I love that guy. He's an icon. And the thing that really amazes me about his story, he's been with the Flyers since the inception of the franchise. That's insane. He's been there since day one of the franchise. It's just kudos to him, an icon and an icon that deserves a tribute. So fans, seriously, get there for that. Um, I don't think anyone's going to want to miss that. But plenty of t- to talk about, plenty to follow uh, as this fire season The remix. Sorry. Go ahead. Thank you, Taryn. I mean, Jordan, I do it like eight times a show. So I got to give it to somebody else every once in a while. Well, thanks so much, Taryn and Joe. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you guys. Great to hear from Claude Drew and Taryn's and one You know one. what, Jordan? I should point out one more thing. I yep. think Taryn has banned Al from doing any virtual scores or predictions. I try. Games. He still does them. He does them every game. Every time he predicts a win, they lose. Every time he predicts a loss, <laughs> they win. And I say this is an easy formula, Al. Just predict losses, and then they will win. And he doesn't do it. Um, so... Whatever, it's fine. Everything's was, fine. I saw he was the big jinx on the Pittsburgh loss. <laughs> that was well, we funny. roasted him to the point that my mom texted me during the post game show and was like, "Please stop being mean, Al. You've taken it too far." <laughs> so. Well, what's interesting about that Pittsburgh game is after the first period, as after we did the intermission hit, um, Taryn and Al come up into the uh, into the newsroom. And Al says, well, this will be good. They'll get this win. And I said, Al. And Taryn overheard it, heard it and scolded him. And then we know, and then he put it on record in the third period hit. And uh, we know how that turned out. A, so. a hit, which by the way, we've we had decided as a rule to make it generic in that we're not going to predict what's going to happen or how things are going to play out, just what needs to be done. Like what needs to be, what we don't, the destination, we don't know, but what the journey needs to look like, we can say that. And Al was just like, screw that. 
screw screw your journalistic approach to not trying to spoil this game. I'm going to go rogue. And I was just like, Alphonse, we had a full discussion about this. And he just can't help himself. He just can't. And then he walks up to me unprompted in the newsroom. And I tweeted this yesterday and goes, you know, it's really worth it to invest in a crossbow just to open the door with one on Halloween. And they're legal to walk around with. So in case anybody wants to know what it's like to work with Al Morganti, that's like not even that weird. That's pretty on par for Al. So this is, he could have said worse things on television, (laughs) honestly, or at least odder things on television. Speaking of icons, Al Morgani is certainly one of them, in my opinion, too. Al Fonz. Really icon, for sure. The, the good old Fonz. Absolutely. Well, turn also, into- the fact that his nickname is Al and not Fonz, bigness by him. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. All good. Thanks so much, guys. Great chatting with you. Great seeing you. A big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast guru and producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.